Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. In today's show, Tesla stock could be headed for the stratosphere. Fiat Chrysler outspends General Motors and Ford on advertising and Land Rover follows the luxury trend to move down market. But let's get back to that Tesla story because Tesla keeps defying the experts. Despite several brokerage houses predicting that the electric car maker's stock is overpriced, now one analyst says, we ain't seen nothing yet. Yesterday, the stock closed at $284 a share, but Stiffel Financial Corporation, an investment banking company out of St. Louis, Missouri, forecast that the stock will hit $400 a share. And you know, that stock has been a windfall for the company, adding more than $2 billion to the plus side of Tesla's balance sheet. Hey, big news later today going to be made by Mazda at Mazda Raceway, a.k.a. Laguna Seca. Mazda is going to unveil the all-new MX-5 Miata. We'll have all the details for you in tomorrow's show. You know, it seems like you can't turn on the TV, listen to the radio, or surf the net without coming across some sort of automotive advertisement. The auto industry is one of the top advertising categories in the world with billions spent every year on commercials. The Detroit automakers report their advertising spend in their annual report, so let's dive into the numbers. Amazingly, Fiat Chrysler spends more than the others, nearly $6 billion. That beat out General Motors, which spent $5.5 billion, and GM spent over a billion more than Ford. But another way to measure this is to look at how much was spent per vehicle sold. And not only did FCA outspend its rivals, it sold fewer cars, and that means it spent over $1,300 per car on advertising. Ford came in at $760 per car, and GM spent $591. Despite Fiat Chrysler's heavy spending, it can brag, at least in the U.S. market, that that has translated into higher sales and more market share. Luxury car makers keep on coming out with extended versions of their sedans to appeal to Chinese consumers, and now Infiniti is bringing its long wheelbase Q70 to the U.S. market. Called the Q70L, it's about six inches longer and includes unique features like a rear door that closes automatically, rear reading lights, and optional heated back seats. Pricing starts at just over $52,000. That's about $1,500 more than the regular model. And Land Rover is following the trend in the luxury market to come out with smaller models priced right in the middle of the mass market brands. Meet the Discovery Sport unmistakably a Land Rover, and it rides on a new platform that shares some of its front-end architecture and components with the Evoque. Power comes from a 240-horsepower turbocharged four-cylinder engine mated to a nine-speed automatic with standard four-wheel drive. The interior of the seven-seat SUV has plenty of soft-touch materials. The driver gets a five-inch TFT display between two main gauges, and the console is dominated by an all-new 8-inch touchscreen infotainment system. It goes on sale in early 2015 with a starting price just under $39,000, and that includes destination charges. 
Hey, coming up next, time for a You Said It. There's so much to love about Bridgestone's Dueler tires. The amazing traction, the quiet, comfortable ride, and they're really tough. It's like loving three tires in one. And now it's time for some of your feedback. David Lopez, world citizen, says, Seeing that right-hand steer Mustang inspired me to ask this question to John. When do you think the automotive world will actually become global, with everyone driving on the same side of the road and every country using the metric system? I would love to see that in my lifetime, but I fear this will take more than 100 years. Oh yeah, David, at least 100 years, and probably never. I don't see any country in the world willing to switch to driving on the other side of the road. They'd have to change all their vehicles, change all their traffic signs, all their traffic lights, all their route maps, and change people's mindsets. Sweden was the last country that I'm aware of that made the change back in 1967, and I think it's actually going to turn out to be the last country to ever make that kind of a switch. Buzzard wants to know, do auto companies file their racing budgets under the R&D category, or is it advertising, or neither? Great question, Buzzard. The U.S. automakers, GM, Ford, and Chrysler, fund their racing activities out of their marketing budgets. The German automakers fund it out of their R&D budgets. I'm guessing the Japanese and Koreans do it like the Germans, but maybe someone out there in the audience can help fill us in. Pedro Fernandez says Volkswagen is not talking about the one thing that could help Volkswagen improve its sales in the U.S. market. Not a word about improving reliability, and until they do, many people won't even consider buying one. Every time I meet an owner, they tell me how they would not buy another one due to its poor reliability and expensive repairs. And you know, folks, I think Pedro is on to something. TJ Watson 59 saw our report on the 1939 Antarctic Snow Cruiser and had to share some of his memories. The snow cruiser was built at the Pullman Works south of Chicago. My dad interned there at the time and lived a few blocks away in Pullman. The day they rolled it out, the large crowd was awed. My dad heard one of the workers say that it would never work as they were using smooth tires and it would never grip the ice. After a drive of a couple of blocks, they discovered it would not fit under a viaduct and the air had to be let out of the tires. They drove it to the East Coast and found that roads of the day could not handle it in many places. To get it on the ship, they had to disassemble it because it was so large. And your film of it coming off the ship shows the wooden ramp collapsing under its weight. After reaching Antarctica, they found it to be very hard to control, and the Pullman workers' words came true, as it could not drive up a mild snowy incline. It was never used to explore, only as a small shelter. There were reports that a Japanese crew scavenged parts from it during the war, and it'll be interesting to see when it is uncovered once again. Wow, thanks for sharing that. And thanks for all of your letters and comments. And that wraps up today's report. Thanks for watching, and we invite you to join us again tomorrow.